every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. It's so good to see you guys. I, I woke up this morning early and, and started praying about the service today. And this, uh, in my heart, it just rose up that today we need to be praying for that one. And, and I, you know, I talk about that a lot, that I don't preach, and I know Jesus didn't either, to the masses of people. I'm always thinking about, or at least I try to think about, the one person that really needs to hear this message today. That there's somebody here today that, that what we're going to share is going to set them free. There's somebody today that's going to hear this and internalize it, and God's going to change their life. That the generations following after them are going to be changed because of what happens in these next few moments. And that's such a huge thing to me. That's such a big deal to me. That your heart would be touched. That that God's presence would, would just minister to you in a special way today. Jesus said that his job description was to come and heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free. He said, that's why I'm here. And I love that about him. And then he gives that same commandment to us. And so today, if you're here, maybe, maybe there's some things in your life that have you chained up. Or maybe in your life your heart is broken. Maybe in your mind you're tormented. Maybe there's a challenge that you've got going on. I want you to know you're in the right place today. You're absolutely in the right place today. And I believe that God is going to touch somebody and change their forever. And maybe that's you. Turn to your neighbor and say, is it you? Turn to your other neighbor and say, could be. <laughs> could be. That's right. We're going to be talking these next few weeks. As you know, if you've been coming here any, any uh, amount of time at all, I love the fall. This is actually my favorite time of year until Christmas, and then that's my favorite time of year. But right now, we're moving into my favorite time of year. A couple of big reasons. One, the weather starts to change. It gets cooler. Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen, right? And then deer season happens. Hallelujah. And, and football. So, so some of my favorite things start happening all at the same time. I start getting really excited. And, and so we're going to do this series we're starting today. It's called Defense Against Offense. Ms. Becky's done a great job of setting that up. And, and what we're going to be talking about is how to defend against offense or being offended in our life. Uh, Dennis and Dwight are teaching a series right now uh, on being offended or, or how to deal with conflict. And I want to tell you something, guys. This, this series in particular is one of those that can literally change your life. You say, Pastor, you say that every week. It's because it's true every week. But this one is really very interesting to me. And as I've thought about it, I put a lot of work into this today because there's something that's very, very important about being offended and what can happen when you take offense. And I want to go all the way back just as a precursor. Miss Becky and I were talking before service or in between, or well, since we're only doing one service right now, between Sunday school and, and this service, we were talking about that offense started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. The devil actually, what the Bible tells us is the devil went to Eve and said, hey, God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you and and he said, you shouldn't do some of this stuff, but, you know, why don't you go ahead and do it? And the reason she even went for that in the first place is because she became offended that God would be holding out on her. And I want you to understand something. When we talk about offense, it is the gateway to almost every problem you've got in your life. 
It's huge. This topic is absolutely huge. And, and next week, you're going to be very excited. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. Next week, I'm actually going to have crowd participation. But I'm not going to tell you who I'm going to pull up. You just need to be here to see. But it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a good time next week. But we're going to be talking about offense and what that means. Today, I'm kind of laying the groundwork. And, and we're titling this sermon today, Hey, God, I'm mad at you. Anybody ever been mad at God before? Something didn't go your way. Maybe you felt like God could do something about the situation that you're facing. You're like, hey, God, you're God, and I'm not. You're all powerful, and I'm not. Why didn't you step in and fix this problem? God, I'm mad at you. And, and let me just say to you right now, please listen to me. I want you to hear this. That's okay. I'm just telling you it's okay. Okay. Because God is a good father. He is a good father. And as good parents and good grandparents or aunts and uncles, sometimes we're going to do things for our kids or grandkids. We're going to do things that they're not going to understand. We're going to say, don't go play in the, in the street. And they're not going to get that. We're going to say things like, don't stick your hand in the oven or on top of the oven. We're going to say things like that, and they don't get it. And God loves you so much that he's, risk, he's willing to risk allowing you to be mad at him for what's better for you. And you need to put that down deep in your heart. And I want to tell you why. Because he is a good, good father. And God loves, loves you more, so much more than your comfort. And there are going to be times in your life that you're going to go through some challenges. There's going to be times in your life that you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. But God loves you so much that sometimes he's going to allow some of those things to happen for your good. And I'm going to show you today what that looks like, okay? So let's look at some scripture. Matthew 24, 10. And guys, there's tons of scripture on offense. I'm just having to take a snapshot of just a few today. Matthew 24, 10 says this. This is the King James, and this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, and then shall many be offended, and they shall betray one another, and they shall hate one another. Luke 17, verse 1 says this. Jesus said to his disciples, offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one they come through. I'll talk some more about that as well. But I want you to see here, Jesus makes it very clear that you are going to get offended. Offenses are going to happen. How many of you were offended this week by something? Okay. I guarantee you that today, tomorrow, or within the next 24, 48 hours, somebody is going to say something that's going to give you an opportunity to take offense. It may be something you watch in the Twitterverse. It may be something that you see on TV. But something's going to happen or somebody may say something to you directly that offends you. And when that happens, you have an opportunity to take offense. And I want you to understand there's a reason that offense begins to happen. Let me define the word offense for you out of the Greek. Remember, as students of the word, we need to understand our Bible is a translation of either Hebrew or Greek, okay? Aramaic and Greek. And so when we're looking at a scripture, we need to go and study these words so that we understand what they mean, what they were translated from. So the word offense, this is what it means. It's in your notes. It'll be on the screen. The Greek word offense is scandalon. Anybody ever heard the word scandalous? 
Okay? This is the Greek word scandalon, and this is what it means. This is the actual word picture. Miss Becky's got some pictures. Scandalon is the movable stick or trigger of a trap. It's a trap or a snare. A scandal, the word offense, is actually a trap or a snare. Think of that big bear trap that we've all seen pictures of before. Maybe some of you even have some. That is what a scandalon is. An offense is a trap. An offense is a trap. Let's go on to the next one. A scandalon can also be any impediment placed in the way that causes someone to stumble or fall. Think about that. It's like a rock. You can be walking down the road. Maybe there's a log or a rock or something in the way and you don't see it and you trip over it. That thing that you've tripped over that caused you to fall is called a scandalon. Finally, scandalon can be, listen to this, any person or thing by which someone becomes entrapped or drawn into error or sin. So when Jesus says that offenses will come, what he's in effect saying is that there are going to be traps all along the way, and traps will come to you. Now, here's the thing about traps. In and of themselves, they don't exist just to be a trap. They actually lead you to something. You trap something for what purpose? Somebody help me. Why do you trap something? To catch it. What else do you typically do with it? Kill it and eat it. (laughs) Right? We're in the South. We can say that. It's okay. Some of you say, well, I trapped a squirrel and I set him free. Okay, that's fine too. But you set a trap, why? Because you're going to do something with that thing that you've trapped. Now listen to me. This isn't in your notes. This is the good stuff right here. A trap is something you don't want to end up in because guess what? As soon as you're caught, everything at that point forward, you have no control over. If a bear, 800-pound bear, steps in one of those traps that we looked at a minute ago, at that moment, he is now caught And he is at the mercy of the person or individual that trapped him. Now listen to me. When you get trapped, you're going to end up going someplace you didn't want to go. And the cost is going to be higher than you can imagine. This is why Jesus talked about this. And he says, traps will come. So we need to understand in our life, if Jesus is talking about this, that traps are snares. Now, they may look like different things for different people, and I want you to understand that today. Offenses and traps come in different forms and varieties. As many people as are in this room, there's different kind of traps for them. And I'm going to talk about that in a later sermon series that will be a lot of fun in a couple weeks. But traps, listen to me, are custom designed for you. You don't catch deer in a bear trap. You catch bears in a bear trap. And in your life, there are certain things about your personality and how you live and act and do that make you more susceptible to one kind of a trap over another kind of a trap. And listen to me. There may be some of you here today that think, I don't know if the devil's real or not. I'm not really sure how all that works. Let me tell you something. The devil's job description, I talked about Jesus' job description, but let me give you the devil's job description. To kill, to steal, and destroy. That's his job. His purpose in this world is to kill us, 
to steal from us and to destroy our lives. And listen, he not only destroys us, he destroys everyone around us that he can get to. That's his job. That's why when Jesus said, I've come, watch this, you're going to see it now. I've come, right, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free. Captive from what? Traps. So you see how this works? You see that? So what happens with these offenses? What is the purpose of them? How do, they, how do they come along? Well, let me just say this to you. For those of you that have been offended before, you know, the three people that raised their hand, that have been offended before, here, here's what happens. It's so easy for us. If Barbie gets offended, it's easy for me to go to Barbie and say, oh, Barbie, you know, you shouldn't be offended. You should forgive that person. You know, just let it go. Come on, everybody, let it go. You know, it's going to be all right. But what happens when somebody offends you? See, it's easy for me to tell Shane to forgive somebody. It's easy for me to tell him to do it. It's easy for me to go to Jim and say, oh, Jim, you just need. But what happens when it happens to you? Why? It's personal now. And that's when the spirit of, oh, no, you didn't comes out, right? <laughs> right? And you know, it's interesting. What might offend Jim might not offend me. Because, you know, Jim might need a bear trap, but I might need corn from a deer feeder maybe that's what attracts me right it's different but I want you to know each one of us in this room is susceptible to certain things that can trap us that can offend us in our lives so what happens when we take offense well before I before I go on I want to talk about that word in, in, in itself when we take offense what does that sound like take offense yeah that means you have to Take it, don't you? You have to, thank you, Shane. You have to accept offense. Does that mean there's a choice? There's an implied choice there, isn't there? Just because someone offends you doesn't mean you have to receive it. You don't have to take that offense. I can try to offend Ethan, but just because I try to offend him doesn't mean he has to receive it. In other words, you do not have to take the offense. You can walk away from it. I mean, think about it. The whole idea of a trap is that you put a trap where? Where you think the animal's going to go and you set the trap up. Well, if they go a different direction, they're going to miss it. Or if the bear walks up and goes, huh, that's a bear trap. I don't think I'll step in it. Does he have to step in it because he sees it? No. He doesn't have to do that. And just like you, listen, you have the same choice. You can choose not to take offense. You can choose that. Look at this. Hebrews 12 verse 15 says this. Be careful that no one fails to get God's grace. Be careful that no one loses their faith, watch this, and becomes like a bitter weed growing up among you. Someone like that can ruin your whole group. Anybody ever been around somebody that's bitter? Aren't they pleasant? Right? And this is what the scripture's saying. Let me just, let me draw a word picture for you here so you guys will get it. When you take offense, and I wrote this in my notes for later, do people that become offended keep it to themselves? No. When they become offended, John, what do they do? They start pulling their circle 
of the, their influence around them. Such and such said I was fat. <laughs> and then they tell all their friends, and now all their friends are mad, right? And so that's what happens, and that's what the Scripture's talking about. When we become offended, here's what happens. We begin, ooh, right? Pay attention, Lauren. I'll keep repeating myself, right? We become mad, right? We become offended. And then what do I do? Then I'm going to go off. I'm going to tell Dwight, you know what they did to me? And now what happens? Dwight becomes what? Offended for me. And that's what the scripture is saying here. Dennis, this is exactly what we were talking about this morning. Be careful that no one loses their faith. Be careful that no one starts taking offense. Because what happens is they become like a bitter weed. And pretty soon they start impacting Everyone around them. Dennis said it really well this morning in class. That's one of the things we really, I am, I am on it like white on rice. When I see offense begin to rise in the church, I jump on it as quickly as I can because I recognize that when someone becomes offended, what are they going to do? They're immediately going to start impacting those around them. And folks, from a church's perspective, that's how you get a church split. I didn't like the color of the carpet. Therefore, I shall leave, and I shall take my friends with me because of the color of the carpet. And I want to tell you, stuff like that has happened, folks. It's usually not big stuff that causes division and strife. It's usually sometimes not even real things that causes offense in our life. But we might get offended over something somebody said that they didn't even mean it in the way they said it. I'm going to give you a really good example. How many of you have read an email from somebody or a small, and got mad at them? And it wasn't even what they meant. But because you couldn't understand their inflection and you couldn't look in their face, you just took it the wrong way. Something to this, isn't there? There is really something to this. But notice what the end result of offense is what Paul says in Hebrews someone like that that lives in offense can ruin the whole group we have a saying in, in our country that one bad apple can ruin the whole bunch Dennis alluded to it this morning he's exactly right and I've learned this as a leader when you have someone that is unwilling to change when you have someone that's unwilling to sub, you know, submit themselves then you have to, as a leader, deal with that person. That's one of the hardest things as a leader you'll ever do. And so if in your family you've got someone that's bitter, they're going to impact everybody around them, and you have to deal with that. This is important stuff. You've got to hear this. Look at your notes here. Offense leads to bitterness. Being offended leads to bitterness. And watch what else it does. Then it leads to destruction. Offense leads to destruction, not just for the person that gets offended, but for others they impact. Wow. We went from, she said I was this, that, and the other thing, to now you've spread it, and now you've got division and strife. And pretty soon you're wondering what happened to your department, and it was because something little happened over here and somebody got offended. And now the whole thing's blown up in your face, and you wonder what happened. That's the way this works. Next week, I'm going to give you a little preview. We're going to talk about relationships next week. Probably the best sermon I'll ever preach on relationships is going to happen next week.
And it's going to talk about this specifically. Okay? So here's the big point. When you become offended in that very moment, watch this, you stop growing. The moment you take offense is where you stop growing. Your effectiveness at that moment is limited or stops. Because now I'm not thinking about the mission. I'm not thinking about the team. I'm not thinking about the church. I'm worried about what such and such said. And now I'm totally distracted from what we were all about. And all I'm focused on is this issue. Guys, I've seen it my entire life. Now it's not about the day of backpack anymore. It's about whatever this situation was. And we forget about everybody around us and we focus on this thing. You see how this works? How many of you have been married before? Come on, let me see your hands. How many of you have been married more than five minutes? All right, you, you have had conflict. <laughs> and this is how those things start. It's a bunch of little things. It's a bunch of little things. It's not always the big things, it's the little things that lead us to offense, which leads us to bitterness, which leads us to destruction. Wow. So when you become offended in that very moment, you stop growing, everything stops. In effect, you come to a grinding halt. You become trapped or sidetracked and derailed at the point where you took offense. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you're wondering, man, I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually right now or this, that, and the other thing. It's because there's offense. More than likely, there's something that you've become offended about and that stopped you from growing and now it's impacting everything else in your life. Is it that big of a deal? Let me tell you how big of a deal it is. Jesus said, if you're at church and you're at the altar praying and you're giving your tithe and you remember somebody that you have something against or they have something against you, this is what Jesus said. Leave your offering and go make it right. What? Jesus said, leave it and go make it right. I had a couple of meetings this week with people. Something was said or heard, and it wasn't even me necessarily, but I, because I know what division and strife can do, and I know how the devil works. The Bible tells us we don't need to be ignorant of his schemes. I went to those people, and I said, hey, I heard this, and let's clear it up. And they said, well, that's no big deal. I said, I said, I know it's no big deal. I don't want it to become a big deal. Things don't just get better, guys. When, when you see situations, when you see conflict in your life, coach, when you see it on your team, you deal with it right now. Why? Because what's, what's that going to lead to later? It's going to cause problems. You got to deal with it. But I don't like confrontation. Okay. Do you like destruction? Wow. Y'all are quiet. It's like I'm here by myself. <laughs> I'm just being real with you today. These are the words of Jesus for us, guys. We got to make it right. And I want to tell you, the devil would love nothing else. He, he sees what's going on. He knows what our church is doing. He knows the people that we're reaching and what's about to start happening. And he would love nothing more than to cause division and strife. And so we have to work really hard to strive. By, Paul says you have to strive for the unity of the bond of peace. It is hard to keep a team together. It is hard to keep a family together. It is hard to keep your kids from killing each other. But let me tell you something. 
The price that you pay to keep unity is a lot less than the price of destruction. And I can tell you as a pastor over the years, having people in my office whose lives are absolutely falling apart because of conflict and unforgiveness, bitterness. So the right thing to do is deal with it. Amen? So let me tell you this. What is the purpose of offense? What does offense do? When, when you're offended, what, what does that mean? What does that do? Well, here's what it reveals. This is what a, offense reveals in your life. This is in your notes. Offense reveals an area of weakness and immaturity in our lives. There's a purpose to offense. If you become offended by something, that means there's an area of weakness or immaturity in your life. And let me tell you how this works. The devil knows what he's doing. So here's what he does. He's like, he's like a coach too. He's got a team. And so if he knows what a good coach does, if he knows he's playing another team, what they'll do is they'll go study the film of their opponent, won't they? And they'll watch the other team play and they'll look at film and they'll study out and they'll go, this guy's legs hurt. So he's slower than normal. So what we're going to do is we're going to attack them right there. See, the enemy does not attack you at your point of strength. The enemy attacks you at your point of weakness. Why? Because that's just smart. Why do I have to attack you across a broad front? Why do I have to waste time and effort to do that? But I know if you have a pornography issue, guess where I'm going to attack you? Right there. What if you have an alcohol issue? Right there. The enemy studies you. Scandalon traps. And he's going to set traps for you based on what he has studied and know. That's why he is so insidious. He will attack you, not at your point of strength. He will attack you at the point of your weakness. So when offenses come, when you become offended, you need to wake up from now. When you leave this place today, you need to understand when things offend you, what's happening is, is that you're seeing an area of weakness in your life and you need to deal with that. Why? Because if you don't deal with it, that means when the devil tries to, that's where he's going to get you. And that's just smart. So you need to realize when those things pop up, allow God, say, God, show me these areas of my life. Don't just let the offense come. Maybe somebody says something and it hurts your feeling. You need to be mature enough to go, oh, I need to look at that. I, I need to, this is an area of weakness for me. This is an area where I am vulnerable this isn't in your notes either, but it's good. One of the reasons that we have the body of Christ, there's a lot of people in here right now. One of the reasons that we have the body of Christ is there may be areas of weakness for me or a lot of areas of weakness for me, but what you need to do is surround yourself with people who are strong in areas that you are weak. And I'm going to tell you there's one word for this, and it's called accountability. It's accountability. I said, Pastor, I don't know that I want to let people that close. I don't want to expose my weaknesses to people. Can I just help you right now? Can I just be your pastor right now and you listen to me? If you don't expose those areas of weakness in your life, it will destroy you. We need each other. 
where Carol may be weak in an area, Trisha may be strong. And so they need to come together to help cover each, each other's weaknesses. The Bible talks about this. It says a threefold cord is not easily broken. When you begin to take a small piece of string and begin to wrap other string around it, you know what it does? It strengthens it, and that's why we need each other. And so the reason, I'm giving you all the enemy's plan right here. The reason the enemy tries to cause division and strife is that we are weaker by ourselves. So if I can convince you that these people are not going to support you and then you're going to go off by yourself, you're done. But together, we are strong. Together, the body of Christ functions right, and that's the way God planned it. That's the way it works. So let me give you something real practical. We've talked about what, does anybody, everybody's clear on what offense is, right? Offense, bad. God, good. (laughs) Are we all there? Just want to make sure we're all together. There with the lightning. The Lord's like, yeah, come on, y'all, somebody. Right? Right? I'm trying, Lord. <laughs> all right? So, so, so we're all on the same page? So here's the deal. The big question right now for this part of the sermon is, are you walking in offense in an area of your life? I'm not saying that to condemn you. I don't want you to get destroyed. Okay? So how do you respond to offense? How do you respond to offense? Proverbs 19 verse 11 says this. A person, <laughs> I love this. This is actually maybe the southern translation. A person with good sense is patient. And it is to his or her credit that he overlooks an offense. I'll read that again. It's pretty simple. A person with good sense is patient. And it is to his or her credit that they overlook an offense. You say, Pastor, that is so simple. If this is the bear trap, and I see the bear trap, why don't I just not go there? Well, that's going to take me out of my way. Well, if you step in it, it's going to take you where you don't want to go. Do you see? A person with good sense is patient. A person with good sense overlooks offense. So how does that happen? I'm going to give you all two simple things. Y'all, this is so simple, but it's so good. Look at number one on your notes. Number one, how do you overlook offense? How do you not take offense? The first thing you need to do is trust God. Trust God. So how does that work? We've got to look past the offense. And here's what I've started learning in my life. Most time, offense comes through other people. Okay? Somebody said something on Facebook or somebody said something to somebody that said something to you or whatever. So offense usually comes through somebody else, right? Well, they said, Pastor, they said this, that, and the other thing about you. You know what the first thing I think about is? Is it true? Well, no. Then why am I going to be offended? True story. I had somebody come to me a while back said, Pastor, there's a church in town that said the back paddock event was all about you. <laughs> you you want to think I, I'm big old honking bear trap, right? And I was offended until I recognized what that offense was, and then I walked around the offense, and I said, no, no. That's, I said, is that true? And they said, no. I said, no, it isn't, is it? 
And that was it. You see how simple that is? Well, they called me fat. Well, is it true? Well, I'm a little husky. <laughs> sometimes, guess this, what? sometimes people may say things that have truth in them. Are you going to be offended or are you going to do something about it? Okay, I'm just going to give you a little clue here. This is Chris Clem's book of, you know, I have like five things that are in my little book. <laughs> it was one of them, right? It's just one page. The best way to shut critics up is to win. I'm just telling you that. The best way to shut critics up in your life is to win. So don't worry about it. Are you a little husky? Okay, well, maybe you are. Then do something about it. But don't take offense. Why? Because that's going to lead to destruction. Why would I want to be, well, they're fat back. <laughs> what? what ser seriously, do you see? I mean, I know it's a simple, silly example, but it's true. What, what, what good is this going to do? What is, this, what is my taking offense going to benefit anyone? It doesn't. The Bible doesn't say take offense because it's good for everyone. It says don't take offense because it leads to destruction. And it leads to destruction not only for you, but for those around you. Man, guys, we've got to get this. Why? Because if there's more than two people, you're going to have conflict. Some of you are conflicted in yourself. <laughs> no, I'm not, yes, I am. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, seriously. So you say, well, pastor, why did you say trust God? Proverbs 3, 5 says this. Man, this is good. Trust the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Watch this. And he will make your path smooth or straight. So am I gonna take offense and follow this path that I know is not even true. And by the way, now you all know that taking offense leads to destruction. So you have a choice to make. Or am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust God to be my advocate? Am I going to trust God to fight my battles for me? Am I going to trust God? Or am I going to take matters into my own hands? And I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You need all you got, honey. doesn't solve anything doesn't solve anything at all but let me say this to you it's hard to trust someone you don't know see I say to you alright the way I'm not going to take offense is I'm going to trust God but listen to me it is difficult for me to trust someone that I don't know there are some of you in this room that I don't know you very well and so I'm probably not going to trust you with the whole lot and that's not me being mean, that means I don't know you. But there are some people in this room I trust with my life, literally. There are some people in this room that, that, that I would open my heart up to. Why? Because I know they love God and they love me. And sometimes they have to say hard things to me, but it's because they love me. And you need to have that kind of relationship with God. And the reason some of you might have a hard time trusting God is because you don't know him. And I get that. And that's why we're here. Because we want you to know him. 
And more importantly, not only do I want you to know him, I want you to know him at such a level, Trish and I talk about this a lot, that you begin to know who you are to him. When you begin to realize, Kanita, how, how valuable you are to him and how you are a princess to him, that changes your life. When you begin to realize how much God loves you and you can begin to trust him, then he begins to take care of those areas in your life. And you know what happens? It's harder for you to become offended because you know God's got your back and you don't worry about what other people think as much. It's the truth. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? Jesus never sinned. Jesus had more opportunity to be offended than anybody ever on this planet. He was nailed to a cross for a lie. He was accused of things he didn't say or do. If anybody deserved to be offended, it was him. Some of you know what that's like to be accused of something you didn't do. But you know what Jesus said when he hung on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're broken. They're messed up. You've heard me say this before. Hurting people hurt people. Now listen, I say that, and that sounds so simple, Todd. Hurting people hurt people. Yeah. It doesn't make me feel better. It still hurts. But I think it helps you understand why. Broken people break people. And when you begin to realize that the people in your life that have hurt you, that are hurting you, it's because there are areas of brokenness in their life. And that's why they're doing those things. And so what do you do? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, pray for those people that are hurting you. Pray for them. Wow. Why do you do that? Because you trust God. I can't fix Alex. God can. So I'm not going to be offended if he says something that hurts me. Because I realize he may be broken. But I can pray for him and allow God to work in his life and the Holy Spirit. But me giving him a piece of my mind doesn't help anybody. Amen? You starting to get this? We're almost done. The best part's coming. Number two. Number one, trust God. Number two, you need to die to your selfishness. <laughs> die to your selfishness. The reason you become offended is because you are easily offended by certain things. Because pers- it's your selfishness. I can't believe they called me fat, husky, etc. Why? Because I'm sensitive to something right there. Why? Because I'm self-conscious. You see where self comes in there? Right? Look at Scripture, Galatians 2, verse 20. Boy, this is good right here. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Galatia. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What Paul is in effect saying here is I have died to myself. I'm crucified with Christ. And I wrote a note down here that maybe will help you all. You can't kill a dead man. You can't offend a dead man. You can't offend someone who will not take offense. And listen to me, folks. You don't have to die to become more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit in you will help you become more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit living inside of you will help you not to take offense. 
That's what the Holy Spirit will help us do. And so as you die to yourself, you're going to be less easily offended. In other words, let me break it down to you. This is really easy. The closer you come to him, the less offended you will be. The more I get around Jesus, the less people have the ability to offend me. It's really simple. And so today, if you find yourself being one of those people that's easily offended, it's probably because, A, you may not be trusting God enough. Number B is there's a lot of self in there. But it's all bound up in you probably don't have that great of a relationship with God. And that's why it's easy for you to get offended all the time. Say, Pastor, that's kind of accusational. Sometimes, y'all, the truth hurts. And that's what this is. You know, the Bible says part of my job as a pastor is to tell you the truth because I love you. And I don't want you being destroyed. So what does that look like practically? And then I'm going to close. You got to learn to live a life of submission to God. Because Jesus said offenses are going to come. I promise you, somebody will say something to offend me today. But I get to choose whether or not to take that offense. It's a choice. Shay, it's a choice, right? Choose to take offense. So, offenses are really test. Offenses test us to see where we're weak. So don't take offense and pass the test. Joyce Meyer made an interesting comment. I listened to one of her sermons this week on offense, and she said this, and I love it. It says, God's process in your life is about transformation, not translation. Say that again. God's process is transformation, not translation. Here's what that means. How many of you have ever seen Star Trek? Come on, nerds, help me out right now. You know, when they beam you up, Scotty, you know what I'm talking about? They stand in the little thing and they go from here to there, right? That's what that means. That's what most of us want. God, make me holy right now. And then you feel like no more issues, right? That's translation. You're translated from one thing to another. Transformation is very different. Transformation is incremental. It's a little bit at a time. It's a little bit at a time. This is what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into the same image, watch this, from glory to glory, process. And this is from the Lord who is the spirit. God's plan for your life is transformation over time. You're never going to be perfect till you get to heaven. Some of you I know are really close. <laughs> I'm lying. <laughs> Some of you are closer than others. But you know what? It's a process. And that's okay. You say, well, pastor, what if I fall down? What if I get offended? What if I confess it? Let it go. Get back up. And keep moving. So what is the end result? If we really took this to heart, if every one of us today said, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going I'm to refuse to take offense. Lord, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to die to myself every day. I'm going to get up in the morning. Lord, today, here's my, help me. You know, Lord, I'm going to give you my life. I'm crucified with Jesus today. Just live in me and through me. 
As Jesus stood beside Lake Galilee, a big crowd of people came up around him. And he, he was trying to preach. He was by the lake. So Jesus saw two boats standing there. So he went and got up in one of the boats. And the boat belonged to a guy named Simon, Simon Peter. And the Bible tells us that they were all standing there and they were cleaning their nets because they'd been fishing all night long. And they hadn't caught anything, nothing. But they were standing there cleaning their nets. And so Jesus is talking, the crowd's coming up. So Jesus gets on the boat and they push him a little bit away from shore. And now he's away from the crowd. And also I think it's kind of cool because if you've ever been on water, you know voices can carry a long way on water. And so Jesus now was projecting his voice, which I just think is cool. And so he finished preaching, and this is Simon Peter, Simon Peter. And this is what Jesus said. He's finished speaking, and he said, Simon, take the boat into deeper water. If all of you will put your nets into the water, you will catch some fish. So I want you to imagine, there, there are these two boats, and Jesus looks over at Simon and says, hey, take, take your boat deeper into the water, and, and guess what? If you guys will put your nets over to the side... You're going to catch some fish. Simon answered, Master, Jesus, we worked hard all night long trying to catch fish, and we caught nothing. Now I'm going to put some things that I think. Jesus, you're a carpenter. I don't even know you've ever held a cane pole in your hand. I'm a professional fisherman. This is what we do. I've got two boats of guys. We have a fishing company. Long John Silvers looks to me to get their stuff. <laughs> right? I know what I'm doing. Why would I listen to you? Do you see what could happen here? Peter could become offended that this carpenter's telling him what to do. Do you see it? Now watch the correct response. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night long trying to catch fish and caught nothing. But you say I should put nets into the water. Watch this. So I will. Jesus, I don't get it. I don't understand. But because you've asked me to, I'm going to. Watch what happens. The fishermen put their nets into the water, and their nets were filled with so many fish that they began to break. They called to their friends in the other boat to come and help them. The friends came, and both boats were so filled with full of fish that they were almost sinking. The fishermen were all amazed at the many fish that they caught. When Simon Peter saw this, he bowed down before Jesus, and he said, watch this, go away from me because I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to have you in my boat. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were amazed too. James and John worked together with Simon. And this is what Jesus said to Simon. Don't be afraid. From now on, your work will be to bring in people, not fish. One of the other scripture translations says, now no longer will you catch fish. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. That's where that comes from. So listen to me, when you surrender to God and choose not to take offense, when you obey him even when you don't understand, when you go deeper, you are blessed and others are blessed. 
Because Peter was faithful and listened to Jesus and let down the boat, the nets that day, not only was he blessed, but those guys in that other boat were blessed too. And it's the same way for me and you. When we choose to do things God's way, he is going to bless our lives. And that blessing is not going to just stay with us. It's going to get on everybody around us. When Wardell's chicken houses are blessed, we get blessed. You understand? That's how this works. That's how this works. So I want to encourage you today. Don't take offense. Say, Pastor, it's hard. I know it is. But you know what? You get to choose. No one just offends you. You always choose to take it. And choose not to. Right? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, so much for the simplicity of your word. You tell us that even a child can understand this. And Lord, I pray right now that we would all have childlike faith. That we would just look and see the simplicity of what you're telling us. That that Jesus, you said that offenses were going to come. I mean, there are people in our life that just offend us. Lord, help us to see that many times that offense... Just shows, out areas, just shows areas of weakness in our own lives. And Father, help us to surrender that to you. Lord, help us to trust you to be our advocate. Lord, help us to trust you to fight our battles for us. Lord, also help us to surround ourselves with people that we can trust. Lord, that we can share these areas of weakness so that we can be healed. And Father, finally help us to just not take offense so that we can be blessed. Lord, I thank you for that. I would say there are probably some people today, maybe it's you, maybe you're that one that we were praying about earlier. Maybe you're the one today that has allowed offense to rise up in you and it's hurt you. That you've stopped growing and now maybe you understand why. That offense has caused you to become bitter. I want you to know God wanted you to have this message today so that you could be free. So that you could be free. Freedom. There's no shame here. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. We just want to see captives set free. And if you're here today and there's areas in your life where you've got offense, but you want to get that right with God today, Just slip up your hands and say, Pastor, that is me. I see your hands. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. You want to trust him. You believe this word because it is the truth. You believe it, but maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've never received him as your Lord and Savior. You know, this is the most important thing we do every week. And if you've not received him, then today is that day. A new life can start today for you. If you've never received Jesus, but you would like to do that today, or maybe you're a a follower of Christ, you're a believer, but you've you've strayed and you want to come back to him, then today is that day for you. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I I want to receive Jesus today. I want you to know we had a handful of people that raised their hands today. 
But you know what? <laughs> I know there's a lot more of you that needed to that didn't. And I know that, not because of any other reason than it's just the truth. And I want to give all of us an opportunity today to make it right. So let's do this. I want everybody to stand. I just think this is too important. It's too important for us to not miss it. So let's do this. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Forget about everybody around you for a minute. And let's all pray this together, okay? And here's the deal. There's nothing magical about this. God knows your heart. And if you're speaking the truth, he knows that. It's not the words. It's your heart, okay? Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I've been offended. I've taken offense. I've been hurt, misused, lied about, abused, accused falsely. Today, I'm asking for you to forgive me, free me, in Jesus' name. Today, make me whole. I forgive those who have sinned against me, and I refuse to take the trap of offense. Help me, in Jesus' name. So here's the thing. If you prayed that minute, forgiveness is such an important part of that. You've let that somebody else go, but that also frees you. And here's what I want you to do now. Imagine, imagine if we all left this place and this week, not one of us took offense. Can you imagine the difference that would make at your home? Can you imagine the difference that would make at work and at school if you choose this week not to allow offense to come? Guys, it can change your world. So let's do that. Let's decide this week not to take offense. Amen? Well, I'm going to pray over you because if I let you go now, some of you can beat the other churches to the restaurants. And I'm all about eating, so, you know, we, I want to be a blessing to you guys. Grab your neighbor's hand. Let me pray over you. Father, I love these people so much. They're incredible. Lord, and I just pray this week that you would bless them. Father, help them to walk in your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray that they would be your hands and feet to our community, that your love would just flow through them, and that you would change our community through your presence in our lives. Lord, I pray as we go today, you bless us as we go eat and fellowship and spend time with our families and friends. Lord, and, and protect us until we all come together again. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. Give somebody a hug and y'all go eat something.